our opinions on everything E3, thoughts on virtual reality, and a fair bit of hair chat. This is Staying In. Yeah, I've had a I've had a haircut. Wow. Um, How much? That's the most ex- that's basically the most exciting thing to happen this week. Uh, it was twelve pounds. Um, I can thoroughly recommend Stephen Shepherd, a hairdresser in Bristol. Uh, and, would he um, consider himself to be a hairdresser or a barber? I think he would consider himself a hairdresser. Actually, he's fantastic. Um, like he makes it into an art form. To be perfectly honest with you, uh, certainly with my hair. Um, and uh, yeah, no, um, yeah, he's very good. So uh, if you're in Bristol, uh, thoroughly recommend uh, getting your haircut when you when you guys come. Yeah, getting your haircut cut, when you guys come down. You'll, we'll have to all go on a nice little haircutting session. <laughs> what art? What artwork are we talking, Pete? German expressionism. Hey. When I was at school, uh, there was a, a kid who came into uh, class, and I, I went to a very posh boarding uh, not boarding school, uh, grammar school. Um. Very posh, all boys grammar school, which was very, very tight uh, and very strict, and uh, didn't really like self-expression. And uh, this one kid who was always it all makes so much sense now. I know (laughs) that's why you're repressed and weird. Uh, So this one kid who was uh, um, uh, a bit of a troublemaker. He came into school one day and he had this cap on, and everyone was like, "Why has he got this cap on?" And then he had to take his cap off for the uh you know the the, the morning um assembly uh, of all you know five six hundred kids that went to this school he took his cap off because a teacher asked him and there's a big nike tick in the back of his head oh you can't buy, yes you can't buy class you can't buy class uh and he certainly found that out um yeah oh yes Back in, the de- back in the days when buying, you know, you wanted as many stripes as you possibly could on your Reeboks. Uh, I seem to remember have seen pictures of you, Pete, with bleached hair. Did I make that up? Yeah, no, I, I used to have bleached white hair, and I thought I looked pretty good with it. And I think actually it would it would, it would suit my new hairstyle. You also um, used to have like long floppy hair. Yeah, I also used we to all have did long floppy though, hair. Yeah, we've all had long floppy hair. No, before. no, no, no. Well, to be fair, compared to you two, Chris, you just had big hair. I look like a spaniel. Yeah. Very much. Pete's very much was floppy hair. Mine was floppy hair, actually. Wasn't I would it? refer to it as flopsy. Actually. Yeah, flopsy. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I went into the, the barbers and said, could you give me flopsy? Well, the point is I didn't go to a barber's. So I think we can all agree that the most exciting thing to come out of E3 was Spider-Man. So uh, I guess we can just kind of finish this conversation right here and then go home. I'm, I'm going to have some tea in a minute. and because uh, 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 So Spider-Man, right? So this is coming out of Insomniac, who made Sunset Overdrive uh, and Ratchet and Clank. And, Spyro. I mean, they've been like Spyro. They've made. A, they've been like a PlayStation mainstay for a really long time. Then they went multi-platform. Um, they seem to get character action, which is exactly what Spider-Man and all superheroes uh, are. So um, what I loved about this trailer is clearly there was stuff going on there that looked like. It was sort of gameplay, like it was kind of in-game, and it looked like the gameplay was going to be really dynamic. Like previous Spider-Man games have been very much focused on, let's see if you can traverse the environment, and like you know, it you know you see the character shoot the webbing up into invisible areas of sky, and you you generally just sort of swing through the towns, and there's not a lot of interaction or engagement with any of the buildings or objects or, or the things around it, and it's it's de- it it definitely f- has felt in the past like it's a mechanic to travel to places to do some fighting, whereas in this new one it looks much more dynamic. It like there's a a, a moment in the Spider-Man trailer where you you seem to leap. A huge distance, and then he shoots his webbing on something, swings on something, and then he focuses on an enemy and does this sort of drill down, fast paced kick towards towards an enemy, and it's like from miles away. And it reminded me a lot of Infamous First Light, which always, which I, I basically saw that and went, Sucker Punch really does need to make a Spider Man game, and it looks like Insomniac also had that thought and went, actually, let's let's us do that. Um, as like a Spider Man fan. To see that character's costume, to see it look as if it's, you know, because I've seen the the trailer for the the Avengers or the Captain America movie where Spider-Man's in it, it looks like that. 
Um, it makes me excited for where Spider-Man might potentially be going in the future in terms of the films, but it makes me really excited about the game because it looks like somebody actually might make a finally a really fantastic Spider-Man game. Um, and yeah, that's why it's the best trailer of E3. I mean, so. see, I, I I put together a list of everything, and I realised a lot of stuff got announced much more so when I kind of looked at the big long list. And I have to say, Spider-Man didn't really make much of an impact for me. Um, mm, mm. I'm, I know when, you're. When did you? He- when did you have the stroke, Dan? <laughs> Funny. Um, I know you are a huge, huge, huge Spider-Man fan, uh, so, I, so I'm aware of that, and I, I, I that that may be swaying your view ever so slightly. But okay. I look at a, I look at a Spider-Man game, and I can't. I would like it to be good, but I can't help look at it with the trepidation of knowing the games that have come before it and the problems those games have had, and you still have to. But, but Dan, it's, to Dan, it's, Dan, it's, got, Dan, it's got it's got insomnia. It's got. It's got Insomniac behind it. It's not Activision anymore. It's, it's got... Right, exactly. It's got Insomniac behind it. And I would completely agree with you, except for they've done four very good Batman games. Hang on. But the not reason Insomniac, why... Obviously. Yeah, but the reason the reason why... Yeah, because Rock said he's the same. Um, yeah. Because... Uh, <laughs> but the point is... Point no, no, is, hang on. Hang on cause, cause character my, my... action and superheroes can work. But my problem with the Spider-Man franchise as a game... Is yeah. I think it's very difficult to make the whole swinging through a city work in, a, yeah, in an sure action or yeah. thing. And obviously, yeah. as you say, they did it with obviously not Insomniac, but Rock said he did it with Batman, and they made the gliding aspect, which you could probably make comparisons with, an intricate and really good part of the game. Hmm. However, I just I would I'm trepidatious about Spider-Man because such a big part of the game is something that I'm not entirely sure works. As I've always, I've always in, said in you're a, a pessimist, Dan. Okay, so I've, I've always said you're a pessimist, Dan. Did you guys actually stay up and watch E3, or did you check out the trailers afterwards? Because this year, right? So last year, last year I stayed up and I was like, yeah, hanging out, like playing the, like watching the Xbox One. I thought, oh, this is fantastic, blah blah blah. And this year, I just went, Do you know what? I can't be bothered with all that. I, I don't like the snark. I don't like the sarcasm. What I want is just a big list of YouTube videos, and I'll just watch them at my own pace. Like this looks interesting. This looks interesting. This doesn't. Um, so did you guys stay up or well I didn't stay up but the way I worked it was uh, I if I was up and around when a conference was on I would kind of watch it live streamed but what I do for most of them is I kind of binged watch them all on YouTube mm. and it enabled me that if a uh, segment is going on too long for example uh, Bethesda showing Dishonored for 20 minutes yeah um I can skip ahead and say, they said, yep, they're still talking about it. Yep, yep, still talking about it. 15 yeah. minutes, yep, still talking about it. And if I'm getting bored, it enables me to move, to skip past it and see what yeah. else is coming up. It's really useful for the electronic arts ones as well, because you're like, yep, Madden, yep, 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 yep. No, I have don't no care, don't interest care, don't care. in Madden. Yeah. I'm sure um, Madden is a fantastic game, but I have no interest in it. Which is, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, it's just it's just not our cup of, uh, our cup of tea. Um, Chris? Uh, E3's been a funny one this year because it seems to become more uh, divided each year and fragmented. Like last year, it wasn't clear as to who won E3. It was kind of a shared thing between Microsoft and Sony. This year, I think Sony won it, I think personally. Um, But it, it seems like it is slowly kind of fragmenting, like lots of Companies are starting to do their own thing in the shadow of mm-hmm. E3 or preempting E3, for example. Load, loads Lots of stuff, of stuff is being leaked beforehand, so the magic yeah. of it is being lost somewhat. So. And also, also let's let's put that that word "leaked" in inverted commas. Yeah, exactly. Because, a very yeah. high quality leakages they were as well. Yeah, um, I, I think if you looked at re- in past years, it has very much felt like you've had kind of one kind of one space that on a Monday Sony's there, on a mm. Tuesday Microsoft's there, on a Wednesday Nintendo is there. Whereas now it just kind of feels like they're all just deciding to do big events at the same time as opposed to we're all in this together. This is one big thing, a big event that we're all getting together. Obviously it is, but the fact is they're all in different places. None of them are kind of connected to each other in any way. Some of them are repeating some of the content as well so you're not getting so for example when in microsoft the trailer for battlefield one cropped up again i'm kind of like well i've, I've already watched 
this for ages with EA. I'm kind of like, I don't need to watch any more of this, but you're showing me this again. And it was like, they are, as you say, kind of very segregated. I mean, if you look, there's a, you can find, I think on YouTube, the very first E3. And it's amazing because it's just a group of guys in one room with like a PowerPoint presentation with like the most basic of graphics. It's amazing to see where it's come to, (laughs) see where it's come to. And then it's kind of like literally like graphs with arrows saying, this is going up. Sales are good. It was when it was, yeah, back in the day when, um, when I was like, I guess reading magazines, like, and well, we, we all were like, that was when there was always the joke of like, and this is the portion of the show that you're interested in, i.e. here's the fun gameplay. I mean, Sony apparently used to be really bad for this. They used to have loads of graphs, and it was all just for shareholders. And apparently they just they just do that in a separate event now. It's like way before, like, they just go, here's the shareholder event. Like We're not going to talk about any of this other stuff. Here's the graphs going up. Aren't we all happy and dandy? Um, yeah, um, I, yeah, I, I definitely feel E3's changed. Like, they've, like stuff leaked early... Um, I think it's yeah, it's it's generally starting to morph a little bit. It's become a consumer show now. Like mm. you, you know, you can actually get consumer tickets now, either for this one or, or for the the one coming um, next you, year. You, I think over the over the years, you've you've seen an increase. Well, I've noticed more of an increase in kind of the people who are at E three. You're getting more of the, the the yelpers, the ones, the guys that scream and shout yeah. when Spider Man's announced. And you're like, mm. like, like. So I, when I used to do the journalism thing, I, I used to get really annoyed at that. I used to get really, really annoyed at people like cosplaying and like, like I was at E3 and wandering along and. There was a, a guy in a Mario costume interviewing one of the Mar- like Nintendo people, and I was like, "Fella, like uh, you've got to at least have the uh, vague appearance of objectivity." Like, yeah, like yeah, and it, and it has become more of that. And, and obviously, those shows, Gamescom's always catered to consumers. Uh, you know, uh, TGS has done it as well. Um, and I think I think E3 is going to open up even further to to be even more of a consumer event, and they need to because you know the big companies want to want to reach out to um, communities and, and and their players directly. They don't want to necessarily go through press and and stuff like that. So um, now, okay, so obviously you're wrong about the Spider Man stuff. Uh, but what is Dan? What's at the top of your list of like this? This was the star game. Ooh, that's a. That's a difficult question. And it I is don't a difficult mean, question. I don't mean to be uh, a donor because okay. I think there's a lot of good stuff that's got announced. Yeah. But for me, there hasn't been something that literally kind of went, wow, this is amazing. I haven't had the moment when I saw the first ever trailer for The Last of Us. Or I haven't had the moment last year, mm. I think it was last year, with the Microsoft where they had the, the Hollow the HoloLens, where they showed Minecraft on the HoloLens, and you're kind of mm. like, this is incredible. Mm. Um, perhaps maybe some of the VR stuff. I think one thing that stood out, I remember when I saw um, Resident Evil 7. Oh, yeah. The, tra- the trailer for that, list. I, yeah. I yeah. thought, firstly, before obviously before that reveal, you're like, this is scary as crap. This is, re- yeah. this is, this makes, this is what VR is going to do so well. Yeah. So well. Um, and it was really scary and I mean you had a combination of it working in terms of there's a moment where someone walks past a doorway and in the conference you heard people in the crowd scream because they were it jumped them in the same sense in that same video he also looks around and sees some kind of uh, mannequins of some uh, women without clothes on and people started wolf whistling so you know yeah, some bits are good, some bits are bad. Yeah, but as I was watching yeah. that, you kind of like that. This is scary. This is how it works. And then when it came with Resident Evil, I was like, "Wow, they're really going back and making Resident Evil scary again." And that's what this series needed. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Like the the, the series has, has has you know they've they've become very fun action games, but they've become much less scary than they. Than it's an they action game now. It, it is no longer scary. Yeah, and and this and I I don't know about you, Chris, but like I feel like Resident Evil Seven. The fact that they've that they hint at that they they use the word ghosts. They hint at you know the, there's not really zombie stuff. They, they there's this first person thing. You're creeping around like it feels very um, it feels very Silent Hill. Almost. I was about to say that it it completely smacked off the now discontinued P- Silent PT. Hills PT. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, it felt like, like almost emulating that or homaging it somewhat. 
Yeah, I mean, but I mean, does that make you? Because I know you're not a massive like Resident Evil fan or anything like that. But like, does this make you interested in Resident Evil again, or is the fact that it's the seventh? Well, there's more than seven games, but you know, the seventh uh, sequel, you know, or whatever. Like, does that? sort of put you off um well i've only ever really experienced resident evil watching other people play it so for example um uh resident evil 4 for example i remember that the famous fits kind of the over the shoulder perspective that it had um and that was a complete change of a complete breath of fresh air i think in the universe and one thing i've noticed from resident evil looking at it from an outsider is it's very good at reinventing itself um yeah i mean look at the look at what we saw now compared to the last few iteration of games and, uh, and you wouldn't even think as Dan says I wouldn't have known this was a Resident Evil trailer until I saw the title slapped on the end of it really VR though VR are we convinced by it because it's been a bit of a it's been a bit of a VR fest this year we kind of always assumed it would be at this E3 everyone at E3 seems to think this is going to be the big thing yeah I have to say I was um very very skeptical about vr for a long time i was kind of like it's just not gonna work you i always my feeling always with vr was you can't move around you can't mm. you can't walk forward in the game and walk forward kind of naturally because uh, that, it and depends what you're using but yeah yeah but <laughs> think how much think how many miles you'd cover down just imagine <laughs> the skyrim <laughs> yeah yeah true but but i um a couple of months ago, probably longer than that, I tried out the Oculus Rift for the first mm. time. Mm. So I tried out that, and it was just just the demos of it. So it wasn't a game or anything like that. It was just demos of kind of showing you how it would work. Mm-hmm. And just from a very brief experience of that, I could straight away imagine myself just sitting on the sofa with the controller in my hand, mm. fully engaged with it. And mm. I, I knew then, once I'd experienced just some demos, and the demos were things like, I'm standing on a beach and the sea's coming in. And then as I look down, it, it, the sea kind of washes over where my feet would be, and I flinched because mm. oh, my feet are going to get wet. Mm. That kind of... It did that within kind of... Within straight away putting it on, I had that feeling. And so I, I firmly believe that VR is going to work. I think there is not... It's, it's still got a long way to go because with this kind of technology, it is brand new and... Obviously, Oculus Rift has been doing it for a long time now. That that's that's been around for a long time. That's kind of that technology has been developed for a long time. But I think this is going to be the main first iterations, especially from like PlayStation VR and kind of all the other different different areas. I'm not convinced it's going to come out the bat kind of with a, like a top top of the range kind of this is this is as good as it can be. But I think that's definitely the future. And some of the games that I've seen are interesting. I'm not sold on particularly many of them, but they are interesting. I definitely feel like PlayStation VR was the really big push mm. at E3. Like there there you know there was talk about Vive and and uh, in Microsoft com- conference, you know, they were talking about the um uh the Xbox uh Project Scorpio, which again that's on my list like uh they were talking about how that's going to be VR capable, like it's going to be VR ready and all that sort of stuff. So there was there was talk about it, but it really felt like it was it was Sony that was that was pushing PSVR, and you've also got to think. At the moment, PSVR represents the cheapest uh, avenue into PlayStation, uh, into VR, and it's going to be out for Christmas. Like clearly, this is the E3 where they go right. Guess what? You're going to be interested in this next big consumer product because this is going to be the first year where a large portion of the VR. Uh, HMDs are actually available to you to to purchase for, mm. from a consumer standpoint. Like Oculus has been dev only, really. Vive has only just come out. It's been out for a couple of months now, but it's prohibitively expensive for most people. Um, and PSVR really is that that first that first commercially available um, VR experience. And so you saw it with um, you know. You saw this uh, VR stuff with Resident Evil Seven, uh, you know, uh, Batman, Rock Steady, uh, Rock Steady. You know that we thought they'd done with the Batman universe. What, well, what is their involvement with this? It says it it's definitely a, Rock. Steady? Well, it said Rock Steady at the end of the trailer. Yeah. So yeah, sure. So is it is it Rock Steady as it, in like Batman the Arkham Origins? That's, cl- that's yeah. That's clearly not working on Batman anymore. Or is it? Have, the, have, have you seen? Have you heard about what the what the demo that they were showing of actually that one was? No. Yeah, it's literally just it's literally just like. 
you stood in the room, you can look at like batarangs and you can. It's very, very. Yeah, I, th- I think there is. There is. Condensed. My understanding there was. There's two kind of demos. One of them is basically you putting on the the, the kind of the eight fit and you putting on the cowl and being in the bat cave and being able to kind of explore that. Which I know yeah. for some people that would like be enough Chris, for me. Yeah. That would be a dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. the and the other side of it is is they were kind of saying that because of the nature of VR bringing in the combat would be very difficult so they're focusing more on the investigative investigative side of yeah. Batman yeah. so he's in, he's investigating a kind of a crime scene and been able to walk through like a, a 3D hologram of what happened so you can walk in and investigate and yeah. pick up clues and spot that there's a witness there or something like that so that's kind of interesting but as I say I don't know how much of how far that would stretch to a full game? I must admit, I don't know if I could sit through um, Rocksteady's combat in VR. I'd probably throw up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and 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 one of the games that I'm super excited about, like really jazzed uh, about. Um, we obviously we knew about Final Fantasy 15 long before um, E3, but I'm really genuinely excited about it. I, I, it's the the first Final Fantasy that's made me genuinely sit up and pay attention and go oh wow this is this is really new except for side note final fantasy 12 which uh, has just and i don't think it was at e3 but it was during outside of e3 they've just announced that final fantasy 12 is getting an hd remake and it's going on to ps4 which i am so excited about um but final fantasy 15 had a has a vr mode in it as well and again it's that thing of Okay, so Resident Evil 7 has a VR mode. There's a, a Batman game that's going to have some VR in it. There is Final Fantasy 15 is going to have an element of VR, which from what we can see so far, it's it's really quite limited, but it seems interesting enough. There was a whole bunch of, um, you know, these VR demos and, and, and so forth that I've, I've no particular interest in. Um, and yeah, like it, it definitely felt like... It definitely felt like Sony was saying... You know, yes, be excited about PlayStation 4. Be excited about, you know, Neo, potentially, where, where we might be going next. Um, be excited for all of that stuff. But really, guys, like, we've got this great slate of games. And also, this VR stuff, this is what you want. This is your big This is your big Christmas present this year. This is what you want to ask your mum and dad for. Like, you know, you, you want to go and look in, look in these big established franchises that we know you like. And if you'll notice, like, a lot of that stuff was, like, 15-rated stuff. Like... Clearly, they are going for that consume like very much hardcore consumer of yeah 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 like you know and love these franchises we're going to make you a whole bunch of VR experiences within them and by the way we're also going to try and start up these other potentially new franchises that also deal with VR. For me, as we said there, we thought kind of the kind of the idea of someone winning E3. Um, if Sony did, I think the presentation that they put on was amazing having that live mm. orchestra yeah. it felt what, one thing I always dislike about E3 is it usually feels quite immature yeah and very flashy and just bright lights and colourful the fact that you were in a kind of a theatre there was a live orchestra who was playing the music accompanying the gameplay that they are showing I was like this is amazing and this mm. this this is grown up this is looking at games in a grown up way and saying look we're doing good stuff here, and let's show it to you in the best possible way. I do love and the I, I do love the idea of you buying like a special edition of the game. You get given like a cellist who sits there with you in the living room, <laughs> and plays along with you. But but Dan, I think that's a really interesting point. Like if like through, since games began, we've been having this thing of oh, now games have grown up. But really, this year, a lot of the games felt felt as if they had not grown up but matured it felt like a lot of the characters were not straight white dudes with grizzled beards and 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 shaved heads although obviously there were still a whole bunch of that you know it felt like there were people of color um there were you know women leads shock horror like there was a lot of that there was a lot of visual style that was outside of hyper realism which i was really worried that going into the playstation 4 era we would just constantly keep going down these like the 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 gritty grizzly gears of war style you know which is has its own place you know that realistic grizzled kind of stuff um but a lot of the games yeah felt felt colorful and and as if they were experimenting with the art style and and stuff like that um and to 
to, to further go on about the maturity, and one of the games that actually genuinely surprised me as to how excited I was about it was Detroit. Yes, this is what I want to yes, talk about. I, yeah, I'm, I'm along with that as well. I was worried. So, I was worried I was going to get laughed at for mentioning Quantic Dream. But here's the thing, right? So, Quantic Dream, Fahrenheit, in, uh, Heavy you know, Rain, um, Heavy Rain. Beyond Two they Souls. Also did Beyond Two Souls, but they also did uh, the joint with uh, David Bowie, uh, Nomad Soul. Like they've done a whole bunch of different games, and they've all kind of been along the same line thought. You know, thought process. They've been about making decisions. They've been about here is a linear narrative, and by the way, you can change where the, the story goes at this point. Now I don't know. I, I, for me, Chris, like the thing that made me most excited about Detroit was it felt like this isn't a story in which you have choices. This is a whole bunch of choices which will make your story. Like, so yeah, I agree. So the the trailer is about an android who is uh, uh, in the who is basically a a negotiator and is going to negotiate with another android that has gone rogue and taken a human being, a a girl, um, captive. And the goody, let's say, uh, is is the seems to be the star of the show. Although we obviously we don't know with uh, David Cage games. Um and the the characterization, the personalization of uh, uh, the characterization of that character um, the performance was just absolutely fantastic. You really felt like this was uncanny. Yeah. Like it, 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 looking at them, you felt like there is not there's something that's not quite right about this person. But it was it was this this the focus on the trailer of, hey, there are so many decisions and outcomes. Like you can go straight into this thing, walk straight past all the evidence, and go and have this conversation with somebody, and you've completely screwed up the entire thing. Or you can hang back and find a bunch of evidence, or grab a gun and put it in your pocket. But all of these decisions have further decisions for you to make. And it looks like the actual narrative branching tree is massive for this thing. And it makes me think that if that's the concept, maybe, and like obviously I've burned, been burned a couple of times <laughs> on this, but maybe this is David Cage's chance. Maybe this is the opportunity for him to finally realise what it is that he started with Nomad Soul. It's got a bit of a Blade Runner feel to it, which originally... Um... When I saw the earlier kind of announcement trailers for it, I was kind of put off a little bit by it, but I quite liked the the procedural drama. Like one of my favourite bits of Heavy Rain was that cop who had that kind of augmented reality kind of glasses enabled him to kind of solve crimes. And, it, and there's kind of echoes of that there. And there's also, we've come to see with games such as Until Dawn, the kind of, the enjoyment one can get from these kind of multi-arced narratives that kind of splinter off and branch off into a host of possible different universes. And with a next generation console such as the PS4, those uh, possibilities are only going to kind of exponentially increase. Well, I went to Ikea yesterday and I bought myself Mm. a chair and a rug and Mm. I've discovered a really quite interesting game to play. And it's to try and find the piece. You know how IKEA it's um, it's it's Scandinavian, and uh, they have some very interesting names for products. And I thought it'd be quite interesting if I could find the product closest to my name. Right. Okay. Uh, and I'm surprised this has never caught on before, actually, because I think it's a genius thing. Um, so, like Pete, for example, do you want to know what you're the closest? You know the closest object. <laughs> I like this game. I take back my cynicism. Pete, if you were so what's the... if you were an object like a household object sold in IKEA, what would you be? Do you think? Okay, uh, I think I would be uh, a lamp, bright, tall, straight laced, proud, helpful, plugged in, switched on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all of those things. So, what what am I, Chris? You're you're um you're a rug, <laughs> right? Yes. A very nice room. Because we walk all over you. Is it called the Peter? No, it's the closest I can get to your name was the Persisk. Right, okay. That's the closest I can get to your name. Right. <laughs> okay, what about Dan? Uh, Dan, what do you think Dan is? Um, I think Dan would be a towel rail. Interesting. Heated? Interesting. Heated or... Um... Yeah, no, definitely heated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'm, I'm, a, I'm a luxury item. Yeah, one of those luxury items, yeah, exactly, a luxury. You don't necessarily need a heated towel rail. But, but it's always good one, to have me around. It's mm. great to have one. When you get out of the shower and you go, oh, yeah, I'm so, I've just remembered again, I've just remembered that my towel's going to be warm. Great. Mm. you got to make an effort to get me around, but if I'm around, you never regret it. Well, Dan, unfortunately, you're a little bit more practical than that. You are, in fact, Dan, a disco ball with LED lighting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Called the dancer. The dancer. <laughs> the dancer. Yeah. Okay. All right. Chris, what were you? Uh, I, well, I was a, um, we, I'm glad you asked. I am a free armed chandelier called the Chris Staller. For me, as I say, I don't think there was a, a standout mm. moment, but when I looked through it, I was like, actually, there is a lot of stuff that's been released. I mean, whilst we must just cover off a couple of other things I just wanted to note from the, from the PlayStation conference. I really like the cover you kind of alluded to with talking about female kind of protagonist. Horizon uh, Zero Dawn. I thought that looked really interesting with the kind of the mechanical dinosaur creatures and that, I think that premise, I really like the idea of the premise and then just kind of wait and see how that how that progresses. Um, obviously, uh, your friend and ours, uh, uh, Crash Bandicoot. Yeah. Uh, we're, which we're, I'm thrilled about. Yeah. Uh, we we I have, but that's not that's not a Crash Bandicoot game, is it? It's no, it's, it's, re, it's the, it's the uh, one, two, and warped remastered. Is this is it true? Oh. Like, I, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, like I was just going to check. Like the one and two are being remastered. They're remastering yeah, uh, Crash, Crash Bandicoot, Bandicoot, Bandicoot. One, Crash Bandicoot two, and Crash Bandicoot warped are being remastered. But they showed Crash Bandicoot appearing in Skylanders Imaginators. That, that's interesting. So is is the phrasing remaster or is the phrasing redoing? Like, is, are they doing a Ratchet and Clank with this or uh, are they just HDing it up? Because if they I HD believe it up, the words I'm not he used <laughs> was building it from the ground up. I about to say, because okay, Naughty, right. Naughty Dog do not no longer own the rights to Crash Bandicoot. So there must be kind of complications there. And how do you remaster a title that you didn't actually... Yeah, it's, it's, it's Activision, I think, who, who have the rights okay. to that. Anyway, it seems a bit of a... I mean, Crash Bandicoot currently resides in a, on a mobile platform, doesn't he? If memory serves me correct, he kind of... Um, he's just a character mascot. He's, he's in absolutely everything. Like, there's, there's a whole bunch of different genres and stuff that different companies have tried to do, do stuff with him. Like, Vivendi used to own the license. Uh, they did some terrible Crash Bandicoot on Xbox. I guess, I guess my big issue, right, with, with quote-unquote remastering... Crash Bandicoot, you can remaster Ratchet and Clank because that is still a 3D uh, character action exploration platforming game. If you remaster the gameplay beat for beat of Crash Bandicoot 1, 2, and 3, that is a very linear 3D game. Like you are walking down a hallway, basically. Yeah, but, and also, I, I get. They cut so many corners in order to try and use the maximum amount of pixels yeah. and potential of the PlayStation. This is a PS1 title, but actually, in was a PS2 title, so which is a little less of a leap than going back. I, it I really is. A, it a, really is. I think a good example of it, I think, of what I imagine it to be, is the same thing that we had with um, Oddworld New and Tasty from Oddworld's uh, Abe's Odyssey. I, that, that's how that's how I see it possibly that leap mm. obviously Abe's Odyssey was a PS1 game um, it held on to the the core mechanics of the game and mm. the core storyline and the, which the was scenery, still good which was still good um, but I mean I, I don't mind I think Crash Bandicoot can be tough I played Crash Bandicoot 1 not too long ago only a couple of years ago I replayed it and I loved that game there are a okay. few times where it gets really difficult and some of the uh the mechanics don't quite work as as they would have hoped, but I still think it's a great game, and so I'm mm. I'm really excited about it. I can see myself purchasing the if, a trilogy of Crash Bandicoots again because I think more than anything else, they are great platformers, and I love a good platformer. The return of Hideo Kojima uh, and his new title, Death Stranding. Um, I what thought the does trailer that title mean. I think I've worked Stranding? it out. I think I've worked it out because right. I looked because because when it came up, Death Stranding. First thing I thought was, "Hang on a minute, that's not a word. Stranding isn't a word." However, it turns out it is. Okay. And when I did a bit of research, because uh, that's right, I, I do research. Um, mm. There's a there's a kind of a thing called uh, Cetacean Stranding, and that's where basically beached whales. That's that's the, the the terminology is called. I'm probably mispronouncing it, 
but uh, Set Sea and Stranding is where they are stranded on the beach. So okay. I took Death... When you kind of extrapolate that, Death Stranding, in my estimation, I'm suggesting that maybe this game takes place perhaps in like a, an afterlife, a purgatory. So Death Stranding is death washes up kind of thing. The idea of that. Right. That's how I interpreted it from looking at that. I mean, okay. in, the, in the title you have... Uh, very much, very, very uh, Kojima trailer. Lots of stylized <laughs> symbolism. It, you, you even if you didn't know he Psychomantis was involved, you'd figures say, hanging yes, in the that's air. Him. Um, I, it's it's clearly got huge nods to kind of environmental issues. Yeah. Um. And on having the whole the, the child who disappears and mm, there's a lot of metaphysics and philosophy at play yeah, yeah it's, it's it's very much classic. very much big narrative it's it's you're yeah. not big picture stuff you're not talking about a linear structure here mm. everything's a metaphor for something else and As also... we've come to know and love from consumer games there's always something behind all the decisions he makes i'm really interested in it mainly because it's going to be different it's not yes. going to be like anything else we've seen before, good or bad. We have the same thing with David Cage. It's not going to be anything we've seen before. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Some decisions that Kojima has made in the past, we've kind of laughed at and said, no, that's stupid. Other things have been like, that's amazing. I so also, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. I also like the fact he's recycled Norman Reedus from Silent Hills, <laughs> playable yeah. teaser. Um, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I'm still part of me subconsciously thinks that the, the title Metal Gear Solid Six will be hidden in the title of it if we go back and look <laughs> at it. I yeah I oh man he's the whole PR spin and stuff like that. It, you, I just can't trust Kojima anymore. Like it, I just can't, and it's great because it means it's it's exciting. Like it makes me think about Death Stranding. It makes me go, okay, well, if you look at the logo for for this game it's you know a, a a helmet with a skull inside of it and again that ma- that makes you start thinking about okay well it looks a little bit like some of the design from uh, the the um the naked snake and and um venom snake era uh, uh metal gear stuff um but also coming into this death stranding idea there's a lot of a lot of metaphor about death a, lo- a lot of metaphor about like rebirth and obviously Kojima's just gone through this metaphorical rebirth he's moving away from Konami um there's a, a a fantastic there was a fantastic photo posted by Norman Reedus I don't really follow him uh, but on his Instagram I, I saw there's, this there's a picture of uh, Hideo Kojima drinking from a mug and on the mug is uh, the word Konami tears like it is I mean like either this is the 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 greatest uh, augmented reality game and yeah long con like or this is this is a really fascinating peek behind the curtains of what that relationship was um and yeah like like apparently this game might be using fox engine like and again I'm you know I'm playing through phantom pain at the moment like Definitely, that is an engine that that seems like it can be heavily expanded and and, and adapted to to do different interesting things. As you say, Dan, like Death Stranding, whatever it turns into is going to be an interesting discussion. It might not be a great game, but it's certainly going to have us talking for ages. Primarily, we're we're all play. We've all owned kind of uh, kind of Xboxes in the past. At the moment, we all own a PS4. Um, none of us currently own kind of a Microsoft console. And so was there anything in kind of the Microsoft uh, conference that made you think um, made you think that hmm this this uh, this might be a co- this might be a console that I want to perhaps yep. invest in. The ex- oh yeah. The Xbox One S looks beautiful. Looks fantastic. Um I can't wait to find out what the Xbox One 2 is, you know, what Project Scorpio is. Um but one of the things that really surprised me this year was obviously there's there's these really interesting, fascinating, you know, Death Stranding and that that kind of stuff, um, games that have grown up and matured and that sort of thing. But one of the games that really, really got me excited was Forza Horizon Three, and so I haven't had much experience with Forza, but I played the Forza. Fast and Furious advert game that they gave away on the 360. It was like a free downloadable to support a a, a Fast and Furious movie. And I rinsed it 
Like, it was like five hours of content, and I absolutely rinsed it clean. And I just thought, this is this is very exciting, driving action games. Um, and I thought, oh, you know, I'd be really excited about that. And then uh, when Forza Horizon 2 was really uh, kicking off, or it was, well, it was just after Forza Horizon 2 came out, really, uh, that this Fast and Furious game came out. But I was like, oh, well, I've kind of missed the boat on that one. Okay, fine. Um, and we'd all decided, well, collectively, we, you know, we pretty much always have these discussions of, okay, are we going to get a PS4 or are we going to get a, an Xbox One? Because obviously we all want to play together. Um, and so Forza Horizon 2 was out, and I was like, well, I'm not going to get an Xbox One just to play Forza Horizon 2. Forza Horizon 3, watching the trailers for that, I'm really tempted by an Xbox One. Like... Much more so than Gran Turismo. Like Gran Turismo looks fine; it looks great. Like simulation, and, that, and that's interesting because I know you're a huge Gran Turismo fan. Yeah, I love Gran Turismo, but Forza Horizon Three just looks—it looks exciting. Like it looks like it makes me excited about driving games, and that's what recently I've been—I've you know, obviously I've played lots of very clever intellectual games, but recently I just want games to be to thrill me, and Horizon Three just looks. Wow, this world. I think the, the the cooperative nature looks really interesting, um, and I didn't quite really understand what I was, how it was all working together. Um, I think you'd have to sit down and see because it seemed as though kind of halfway through a race, your friends join your race, but they're in different cars and they're driving in from different places, and it all seemed a little bit confusing. Um, for me, I mean, I'm someone who very much prefers racing games, arcadey racing games. I lo- I really enjoyed in the past kind of the Need for Speed games, the kind of Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. I think we we played before, and that was really good fun. Um, that's the kind of game that I've played. I remember, I think it was Gran Turismo Five that I bought because I I, I I bought it on your recommendation because you were like, this is amazing, um, and it just I'm sure to some people that is amazing, but for the, that simulation aspect, I'm like, no, I'm not getting it yeah. i got stuck there was a level where you drive around the top gear track in a camper van and if you nudge anyone at any point there's like 30 camper vans if you nudge yeah, anyone you lose that the game the the problem with the problem with simulation racing games on console or previously the problems with them have been things like where they've gone like hey here's the top gear track and isn't this hilarious like here's a camper van yeah we're having a lovely time but don't drive into anybody don't yeah. have fun like make sure that you do this very cleanly and very quickly like and whereas Forza Horizon 3 is a bit more like, yeah, stick the back end out, who cares, have a fun time. Um, and that's, and that what, that's re- what I want from a driving game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and from a driving yeah. instructor. Yeah. And from a driving instructor. <laughs> so I think this year, like, my big purchase is going to be a PSVR. But I can totally see me grabbing next year, or whenever it is that the Xbox One 2, whatever the Project Scorpio thing actually is, when that drops, I can absolutely see myself grabbing one. Like... By then, or, or, I think. Or, by then, the 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 catalogue of games will be there. Not only in ones that are coming out now, but the kind of the back catalogue that's been out since it came out. There's always been games on there that I've liked the look of, but I just it's not been enough for me to purchase. I mean, I like the Halo franchise, so I would enjoy. I think, I think it's I think it's the exclusive games like. Yeah, like, you know, most people, most games go out on absolutely everything, and that like the idea of console bias is completely ridiculous because now you can pretty much get everything. But it's those exclusives that you buy those 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 consoles for, and yeah, I I, I genuine and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I genuinely feel like an action based arcadey driving game. It might very well push me to buy an entire console because there isn't anything similar, is there, on the from the no, Sony platform? There's really not, and and I'm absolutely jonesing for. For, for for a little bit of that. Now, if Sam was here, he'd be saying steep. Steep interests me. Mm. The idea of an open world game on a crossed with a snowboarding game just sounds interesting. I don't, sounds I, great, right? Yeah, I just kind of I don't know how it would work, and I don't really know how that whole process would work, but it sounds interesting. I think if we want to see where that game's going. I think we can look at stuff like Skate. And the Skate series, I've, I've, you know, I harp on about it to anybody who will listen, which are very few people, but Sam and I um, would hang out while I was uh, living in my old apartment and single and stuff like that. We would hang out in Skate 2, and a little bit of Skate 1, 
uh, and then when Skate 3 came out, yes, it was great. But we would hang out and we would session the same rail in an open world skateboarding game for hours. Like we just we just session the one location. Him and I coming at the same rail from different angles, you know, trying out different tricks, trying to outdo one another, trying to do silly things to impress one another and, 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 and be a bit silly with it. And it was great. And steep looks to be a continuation of that, but in terms of snowboarding. Now, I think they've they've obviously I'm happy that they've that Ubisoft has actually shown steep because I think it looks great. I think they might have shown it a little bit early. Because that that game looked it, it looked unpolished. Yeah. It looked like it had about another year or so of development time at least. Um but the core idea of invite all your mates into a party, hang out together, do different activities together, um, rewind through your own play, um, dare each other to do different tricks and runs, and you can do snowboarding and skiing and, and wingsuit and who knows what else that they'll chuck into it, uh, and hang out online. And it becomes then a multiplayer hub. It doesn't become a competitive thing. It becomes a, we're going to hang out and just chill and play steep for a whole bunch of time, like, like Sam and I did with Skate. Um, it's, it's a great opportunity to just hang out and chat and talk to one another and you know talk about the, 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 the news of the day. Um, but giving your, 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 your hands and your, uh, a, a fun little part of your mind something to do while you're doing that. Um, and I was really impressed with it. I, I, I think it looks... I think it looks. I think it looks like it's got a, a, a great deal of potential, which is also the thing that I thought when I played the original Watch Dogs, and now that I see Watch Dogs Two, I think that I'm vindicated in my in my <laughs> uh, in my assumption. Like the original Watch Dogs felt like there was the potential for a really interesting game there, and then it just never quite really capitalised. It was fine. It was like a seven out of ten or whatever, and I enjoyed it. Um, would you would you compare that to and I I don't mean this to to get a rise out of you but um would you compare that to say like the first Assassin's Creed? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no. Cuz I think that like, was a very similar thing of the the crux of an idea was there but the the kind of the polish wasn't enough yeah, to, in order to make it, it work. Just, yeah. Absolutely like um the and I th- I think it is that exact same thing. I think I think this second shot at the Watch Dogs First of all, I think Ubisoft knows that it's kind of make or break for this series now. Like they've built it up and they've spent a bunch of time and money marketing the thing and, and getting an audience that gives a toss. Um, they sort of delivered on some of the stuff in the original Watch Dogs, but not all of it. It's a very stylish game. It's it's really got its own sense of identity, even if the characters don't, uh, or at least the lead. Um, you know, it looks like it's going to try and tell a bit of a mature story set in the future, but it's a realistic. It's a realistic-ish future, like it's about underground hacking and and uh, 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 sort of um, social unrest. And Watch Dogs Two looks like it's gonna do all of that and just turn up the volume and be like, "Yep, yeah, okay, so you want social unrest? Here's you running through a crowded city and you're using your your little hacking device to turn off this and and use this." electronic remote over here to, to open this door and then here's a remote control car that you've nicked off somebody else to go and explode this other thing over here and you've got to do it all in really you know, quick time it sounds great I am actually really interested and what interests me is now I don't know if this, they mentioned it so maybe you'll fill me in if they did did they mention anything about kind of um, it playing cooperatively because I know when the, I, I think in some of the leaks that was happening before kind of these weren't really leaks they were kind of released images around Watch Dogs 2 they, they were um, showing kind of a four four different characters, and it's very much seen through the advertising. There was an implication that there was a kind of a four person team that you could play as, and I've seen kind of some articles which I think alluded to that. And I think if there is a way in the some of the articles I read, it alludes to the idea of being able to go through the narrative, maybe not hitting all of the narrative points, but being able to go through it cooperatively. And if that's the case, I'm very interested in it. Because a four-player co-op in that kind of environment with those kind of abilities and that kind of game structure, I find very interesting. So we we know it's got co-op. We don't know how many necessarily. We don't know how much. Um, but I'm with you. Like if this is a if this is a, a co-op game throughout the entire single player experience, like, yeah, absolutely count me in. This sounds like madness. Like the ability to interact and hack different objects 
in groups of one another and like sequence up things like together. I think that's oh, it just sounds. Oh yes, yes, yes. I wanted to get onto this Dishonored too. Um, I haven't watched the huge uber long gameplay footage. Um, I've just seen snippets of it, and it just it. I mean, there's nothing really anything new except upgraded graphics. Um, but it's got the the kind of things I loved so much about Dishonored. Not just the kind of gameplay, but the, the whole. I suppose mise en scène of the game, the look and feel of it, is just something that I find very inviting for a first-person shooter, and I'm very much looking forward to it. I think that was, that is, that's the game I'm definitely going to purchase, I think, from E3. I, to be honest, I already knew I was going to purchase it before E3 anyway, if I'm honest. Um, but speaking of first-person shooters, um, what do we think of the Bioshock rip-off, We Happy Few? <laughs> the rip-off? Well, it's not really so a rip-off, I, I, but it, it's kind of, maybe it's a homage, whether it's kind of... This is one of the, this is one of the games that I saw, didn't check the trailer out for, and I'm kicking myself now. I've, I've only watched a little bit of it. So, what is We Happy Few? Because I've this has been completely off my radar, and it's only it's, just come onto it. It's like it, a picture. Okay, it's set during, I believe, sorry, the swinging sixties. Forgive my ignorance if I've got that fact wrong. Um, in a time where uh, people are, it's it's your traditional kind of narrative um, in the sense of dystopic. Uh, there's an authority there that are trying to stifle any form of expression or rebellion. So the way they keep the masses down or at bay is by just drugging them, essentially, with these happy pills. And when you take these happy pills, the world is very colourful and 60s-ish, you know, lava lamps and all that jazz. And if you don't take your pills, you see reality for what it is. Um, so this is like Soma from kind Brave of, New World? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Um, is, it, is it Brave New World? Soma? Uh, I'll have to check. Or 1984? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's but it's kind of got this very quite creepy kind of grotesque aesthetic where the guards and authority wear these kind of like uh, quite grotesque clan masks. So there's something like completely unnerving about it throughout. And you're kind of so you're kind of flitting between the reality and this kind of happy place, and it's really unsettling. Um, and and it kind of culminates. Um, well, basically, you, you're in this room and you're in this office by your desk and you, you have to decide whether you want to take your dosage of happy pills or not. And anyway, in, in the gameplay, you choose not to and you just basically lob them on the floor. And then one of your colleagues walks in with this kind of like grotesque kind of clown-esque kind of mask saying, oh, we've got so-and-so's birthday to celebrate. You should come here. And she looks on the floor and says, oh, you've not taken your happy pills. Do you want to have mine? You're like, oh, no, 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 they're, I'll take They're them. referred to as your joy. Your joy, that's it, fantastic. Your joy. Your joy, okay. joy pills. So it's, it is quite a creepy kind of it is. phrase when you hear it. Have you taken your joy? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, because it's English. It's, have you taken your joy? That kind of like Village of the Damned, Children of the Corn, kind, Village of the Damned kind of right. creepy English accent. Um, um, so you, you, you leave the room and you walk along the corridors and you witness quite disturbing things through windows. Uh, people being attacked by smiling clown-like people dressed as policemen. It's really creepy. And then kind you... of force-feeding them their joy. Yeah, yeah, like forcing right. the pills down them. And you get into this room and uh, there are people there that's in the party, but like a really forced party where people are just manically whacking this piñata in the centre. You're like, okay, that's weird. And, and they're like, oh yeah, piñata, it's a great tradition. Oh yes, we've inherited this tradition. It's a lovely, lovely tradition. They're hitting this piñata thing. And they, um, and then the drugs that you've previously taken are starting to wear off your joy. And you realise, actually, it's only when you look at your hands, because you, you picked up the candy. I think you picked up the candy, but suddenly your hands are just red. And you look down, and it's not a piñata, this brightly coloured piñata you saw. The drugs are worn off. They're just hitting a rat, and they're eating the entrails of it. And Amazing. Then, and then they suddenly all turn on you, saying, you've not taken your joy. And the alarms and the klaxons go off, and the, you're being chased by these policemen with these kind of fixed, grimacing kind of clown smiles. It's it's really grotesque. But it has That's that... fantastic. Yeah, I know, but it has this kind of, like, um, Bioshock aesthetic, which feels strangely kind of... You still you feel strangely quite comfortable with it, um, yeah. because you're familiar with that kind of mechanic. You're familiar with that kind of world. Whether it has the kind of groundbreaking... Um, philosophical edge that um, Bioshock had, I don't know. You couldn't get that come across. But in terms of aesthetics and gameplay, it is like, you know, the Bioshock we kind of want that isn't going to arrive. So this is the best we've got, really. 
I, I think it's a, it's a it's a smaller game than what Bioshock was because it did in terms of the Microsoft conference it did fall under the the kind of the ID at Xbox so that's the independent developers so it was very much an indie game but it, I completely agree with everything Chris said it, it's got that feeling and you do feel strangely comfortable because you even though you're not underwater you're not kind of you haven't got that that music that feeling is very much there in terms of your surroundings you're in an enclosed space clearly you're in kind of a uh you're locked down somewhere which links very much into how bioshock that kind of claustrophobic feel that you had with bioshock you get that as well here i i watched it and that was that was probably one of my highlights um just in the fact of it was really weirdly creepy and kind of absolutely kind of just gets under your skin and that as Chris you say that moment when you hit the piñata and then you look down and you suddenly it is the veil has been lifted and you now know what this game actually is Mm. that everything you've seen so far in the game has been a mirage you don't know all the stuff you've seen actually what was it I don't really know anymore and so I'm, I'm 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 interested I mean obviously because it's ID at Xbox, I'm imagining this will be an Xbox exclusive, so this wouldn't be going to be able to play for a while. But I, if I did kind of invest at any time in kind of a, a new Microsoft platform, that would be definitely something I'd be mm. looking to looking to play. It's Compulsion Games who've developed it, um, and it's an Xbox exclusive with PC as well, so it's Microsoft really. Um, the only other game I think they've done prior to that is a game called Contrast. Which came out in 2013. Oh, okay. Yes. Now I'm really interested. Then. Okay. Yeah. Good. So it's the same company Peter did that. So um, cool. Um, yeah, I think actually having this conversation. Yeah, actually, there's some there's some good stuff here. Actually, E3 2016. There was some good stuff, wasn't it? Obviously, we're not talking about uh, talked about absolutely everything, but there was some really uh, there was some really interesting stuff, and it makes me E3 always always gives me the boost that I need, right? Like, every once in a while you get really down on games. You think to yourself, oh, it's just all sequels, or oh, it's all going the way of free-to-play monetization, but paid. Like, oh, it's all dreary first-person shooters. Oh, it's all... Nobody's got any brand new ideas about, you know, uh, all this sort of stuff. Um, Another Call of Duty. Uh, But, um... You realise actually that first of all, all of those games are actually totally great. Like you get excited by those things. Like I'm excited for sequels. Forza Horizon Three looks great. Watch Dogs Two looks interesting. Like uh, I like the look of Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Yeah, I mean, it all, I thought that it looked it really looks, good. The the point I'm, I'm I'm getting to is E3 is always this shot in the arm for me because the, there's always a, a good selection of games. It always reminds me of why I like video games, and this year has been no exception. It's it's said. Here is a medium that is still maturing, still has amazing things to do, lots of stories to tell, and it's all coming really soon. Like, it's all, you know, next year, like, or it's all this year. You know, it's it's all on its way. And, yeah, it, it always gets me jazzed again for video games, just, just when I need that little little boost. Yeah, I think, as I've said, the only thing that this, this, this E3 didn't have for me was the one title that suddenly went straight to the top of my wanted list. Um, it's not dislodged the games that are up there, uh, nothing here. What it hasn't is given me a number of games that, you know what, yeah, I might play that when it comes out. I'm, I'm interested mm. now that I wouldn't have been before. Games like God of War, I've never been an interest in God of War. However, the kind of what was shown, I was kind of like, actually, that looks yeah, interesting. That I looks like something that. that I might enjoy. I would like to follow the story of a god raising a baby. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever it is. With a lovely beard. That beard is pretty mighty, isn't it? Yeah. A lot of beards. A lot of beards in games at the moment. I wonder why. Maybe I'll grow a beard. Anyway. I think that's about it, isn't it? <laughs> what, talking about your beards? I think that kills anything, yeah. yeah. Have you ever had a beard, Pete? Yeah, I've had a beard. I had beard when I had flopsy hair. Oh gosh, yeah, when uni. we did when we did the play yeah. together, we all had to yeah, grow a beard. Big old beard. Yeah, I had to shave it eventually because obviously we did it for the rolls and stuff. But I had to shave it eventually because I found a bit of sandwich in there. Like a whole like a whole triangle <laughs> like a bread. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> so ooh, I'll eat that later. 
That was Staying In with Chris Darby, Dan Frost and me, Peter Willington. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information and links to the things we've talked about in this episode. And come find us on Twitter on at stayinginpod. Thanks for listening.